opportunities that we can serve. And we find Lydia. She's a newbie. She said, how can I help? And I think that is so exciting when we see people who are new in their faith, wanting to come along and serve. What's sad is when we see people who are supposedly mature in their faith and decide that they no longer need to serve. That becomes sad. It's unhealthy for the church. We are to serve one another. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. A couple of years ago, I, I looked at the books of the Bible that I hadn't taught yet here on a Sunday morning, and, and so I devised this plan of going through uh, the remainder of these books by going back and forth from the Old and New Testament. And that journey had, has brought us from uh, the minor prophets of Hosea and Joel and Amos, as we just finished out last week. We've done Galatians and uh, Ephesians from the epistles over the last couple of years, and now it's Philippians. Other than that, this is what we do know from the Word of God. It, it tells us that she was a seller of purple, but also that she worshiped God. Now, notice God here is in the big G, not the little g. And the Bible is good about having a distinction between pagan gods, little g, and the God of creation, the God of Israel, big G. So Lydia somewhere had heard about God, and she worshiped God. This would classify her as a God-fearer. I believe the best definition of what a God-fearer would be, a God-fearer is someone who is not Jewish, but Gentile in race. So if you're not Jew, you're Gentile, period. But that you worship the God of the Jews. So that would be a, a short description of it. But here we have a biblical uh, description of Cornelius in Acts 10 verses 1 and 2. When we meet him in the book of Acts, he also is a God-fearer, but it describes his characteristics in verse 2, where it tells us that he was a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, and who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. So he was devout, he feared God, he gave, he was a giving man, he gave alms, and he prayed to God always. He was a good man, but Cornelius, along with Lydia, although they were good, faithful people who loved God, worshipped God, 
they were still incomplete as far as the gospel concerning Jesus Christ. And we live in a world today that would teach us, as long as they have faith, don't mess with them. Just let them be. Don't proclaim your truth, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just let them be. Let them worship. They worship God. They were worshiping the right God, the God of creation, the God of Israel, but they did not have the complete message. And Paul would not leave them without the, at least the opportunity. He presented Christ. And when Paul presented the gospel, it was Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. And, and you can say, John, how can you know that? Well, I know it because Paul tells us his gospel message from 1 Corinthians 15. He tells us the word that he spoke when he went forth. We know the message. We know the truth that he spent forth, the message of the gospel. Where Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, I delivered to you first that which I've also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he goes on to testify uh, those who had seen the Lord in his resurrected body. But that is the heart of the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again according to the word of God. Now, Paul didn't leave Lydia in this state. The story with Cornelius, Peter didn't leave Cornelius in this state, but proclaimed the word of God to them. The Bible tells us in Romans ten seventeen that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Sometimes your family members, your friends are not becoming believers in Jesus Christ because you're not proclaiming the word of God to them. They're not hearing the word of God. And so they can't believe. They may believe that God exists. And I've met many God fearers in the sense that people who believe in God and uh, believe that he exists and in some sense may worship God, but they have an incomplete knowledge of the work of God and the plan of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And it is our duty, our responsibility as believers in Jesus Christ to fill in the blank for them and to let them know that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again. That is our responsibility, and that's what Paul did for Lydia at this time. He, he exposed the word of God. But secondly, we see the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So now God is at play here. Do you know that Scripture tells us, and you should know this, but I'll just remind you if you have forgotten, that no one becomes a believer in Jesus Christ apart from God's work in their lives, apart from the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 tells us that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And I, I can hear some smart aleck in the background saying, I can say Jesus is Lord. I don't believe in him, but I can say it. But what it's referring to is, is that faith that's taken place, that you're announcing that Jesus Christ is Lord over your life. Scripture tells us you cannot do that apart from the Holy Spirit's work in your life. There was a musician from way back. I tried to Google him, but he was so old that I couldn't even get him figure out his name on the internet search, but I probably had the album still downstairs. It was produced by Larry Norman, who was the known as the grandfather of Christian rock, who died in 2008. I did discover that. But he had an album called The British Invasion, and on that album there was a, 
musician named Brian Horath, who had a line in the song. I don't remember anything else about that whole album except for this one line where Brian said, I found God, or should I say that he found me? We have this search for God. We're reaching out. We're trying to see if there's anyone who exists in this universe. Is there a God who saves us? And as we reach out, we discover that God all along has been reaching down to uh, draw us to himself. Pastor Chuck, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement, has taught for years that there is a basic threefold work of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives as believers. And that threefold work is found in a few verses of Scripture, many verses, but we're just going to look at a few. Uh, John 14, 17, we find two of the works in that one verse, so you just jot that down if you want to, John 14, 17. And then two other verses, Luke 24, 49, and Acts 1, 8 is the third work. The first work is that of a Greek preposition that's para is the Greek word. It means with, that the Holy Spirit is with us. And Jesus said in John 14, 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you. And so he's, Jesus talking to his disciples, telling his disciples that the spirit is coming. When I go back to my father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The world, they don't know the spirit. They neither receive him or know him, but you know him because he's with you. That's that Greek preposition. It's the idea that the Holy Spirit, before we become a believer in Jesus Christ, he is there drawing us to Christ. He's making us curious. He, he's fueling that search for Jesus in our lives. But he continues by saying, not only does he dwell with you, verse 17, it, it completes it by saying he will be in you. So to his disciples, at this point, Peter and John and James and the others were not saved because Christ had not went to the cross. The redemption had not been paid, so they didn't have this salvation that we preach today. But Jesus said, soon he will be in you. That's the other preposition is in, that the Holy Spirit enters in. In Greek, it's spelled E-N. We would spell it I-N. But it's the same thing, that the Spirit as a believer is in you. No one can say Jesus is Lord except from the Spirit's work in our life. And the third phase of this work of the Holy Spirit, although he can do much more in our lives, there is this filling of the Holy Spirit that takes place where Jesus said he will come upon you. The Greek word is a P. And the two verses that I reference that with is Luke 24, 49 and Acts 1, 8. Very familiar verses. But Jesus saying to his disciples before he ascended to heaven, Behold, I send the promise of my Father to you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And then Acts 1.8, so that's the command to wait for the coming upon of the Holy Spirit. And at this point, the Spirit was already in them. In John uh, 22, Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So they had already received the Holy Spirit, but Jesus now is saying there's going to be a further work of the Spirit in your life. And he, he repeats it again in Acts 1.8. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, there's the P word there. When he comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, 
to the ends of the earth. And so as we reach out to God, we discover that God is all along. He's there reaching out to us through the Holy Spirit being with us, drawing us to Christ, the Holy Spirit as believers now coming in us. And then this possibility of the Spirit coming upon you for ministry, for service. He said, you shall be my witnesses. But notice that the effective witness was when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Then they would go off and be witnesses for Jesus. So I believe we need the complete working of the Spirit in our lives to be effective. The Spirit has to be with us to draw us to Christ, to even become a believer. But then once we believe, the Spirit enters in us. That's where uh, Ephesians chapter 1 comes into play, where it tells us that the Spirit seals us until the day of our redemption, that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit as believers. But there's also this work that, can happen as soon as we're saved. It can happen down the road someplace. For me, it happened when I was introducing a song in a concert that our band was playing in Schaumburg at, uh, for Calvary Chapel. At the time, they were called Schaumburg, but now they're Elk Grove. But at Phil's Church, I was just doing a song introduction when the Spirit came upon me and filled me with the Spirit during that song introduction. If you're a believer today, Know that the Lord has opened your heart to heed the message of the gospel. It is because God has done a work. Like with Lydia, the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. He's opened your heart to believe. And if that's true for you today, may I also encourage you that he who begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.6. We'll be getting to that verse in a few weeks. In verse 15, the final verse we're going to look at today, it tells us that, and when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, if you judge me faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she constrained us. And so it closes out, we, we find a couple of things. One, that her household was also baptized. Now, some believe that, some would teach, and I don't believe this, nor would I teach it this way, but there are some who believe that, just baptize your kids, whether they know Jesus or not, acknowledge him as Savior or not, and you put this some kind of holy covering over them. But I believe that the baptism of the house went along with every individual in the house accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior, that there's a connection to the salvation, the conversion of the whole household. When Peter was talking about Cornelius getting saved, and telling the Jews what took place in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 11, verses 13 and 14, he said, send men to Joppa. He's recounting the words of Cornelius. And so this is what Cornelius told him. Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. But see, they had to believe. Peter gave them the words but as they believed in that setting, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and then they were baptized. In this setting, we find Lydia and her household believing and being baptized, no mention of the Holy Spirit coming upon her, although I've already shown us that she couldn't have become a believer without the Lord's Spirit working in her life. Next week, we're going to meet the Philippian jailer, who also, his whole household will be saved. In Acts 18, we meet 
Christus. He's the ruler of a synagogue who believes along with his whole household. And in recounting the baptism of Crispus, Paul mentions that he, had, he personally baptized this uh, ruler of the synagogue. But in mentioning that, in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 14 and 16, Paul says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I baptized in my own name. And, and the reason Paul's even saying this is because people were, can you imagine this? They were talking about, you know, I was baptized by Pastor John. Oh, I'm the Pastor Kevin Camp over here. But they were doing Peter, Paul, Apollos. And Paul's saying, you know, in Corinth, I've only baptized, well, um, Christus and Gaius. And oh, yeah, he said in the household of Stephanus. And he mentions another household. And I'm just stressing this because I believe God wants not only to save you, but I believe he wants to save all of our family. I realize that it doesn't always happen because every individual is responsible to make that choice to follow Jesus or not. But may I encourage you not to give up hope. May I encourage you not to stop praying for it. Because God wants to save our families. He wants to do that work for us. And I stand before you today as one who was losing hope. And the last couple of weeks, you saw John and his wife, Catherine, and Ayana, and, and we're blessed to see the work that God continues to do in my family's life. And, and what a blessing that is. But it always wasn't there for 10 or 12 years. We grieved over the condition of our son and the spiritual state that he was in. But now I look back and just, it's amazing. It's pinched me. I can't believe the work that God's doing. And I believe God wants to do that for us all. So may I encourage you that we find it repeated in the book of Acts, even referenced in 1 Corinthians, of Paul and Peter and the work of ministry and households being saved. Lydia was one of those households. But also we notice that not only was her and her whole household saved, she went right into service. And she said, if you found me faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my house. And they were thinking, no, we don't want to put you out, Lydia. It seems to be because scripture says she constrained us. It was this sense of she was pushing, urging by force. Come on, guys, let me uh, take care of you while you're here in our community ministering. Come to our home and let us take care of you and provide for your needs. Next week with the Philippian jailer, we find that after the great miracle of the earthquake that we'll learn about next week and none of the prisoners escaping and the Philippian jailer accepting Christ as his Savior, he brought Paul and Silas out. He washed their wounds. He brought them into his house and he set food before them. And, and these who are being saved, they're instantly ministering to others. And that's what's happening I think, and it's a healthy church when you have uh, people willing to minister to others. Lydia, she became a believer in Jesus Christ, and she said, how can I support the ministry? How can I help? Uh, the Philippian jailer, he's, he's ready to, you know, he had sent Paul and Silas with their backs ripped open, beaten, and he threw them in prison and locked them in stocks there. But that very night, he brought them out and he washed their wounds and and fed them and brought them into his own home. And there's this 
opportunities that we can serve. And we find Lydia. Man, she just, she's a newbie. She said, how can I help? And I think that is so exciting when we see people who are new in their faith, wanting to come along and serve. What's sad is when we see people who are supposedly mature in their faith and decide that they no longer need to serve. That becomes sad. It's unhealthy for the church. We are to serve one another. And Third John, there's only one chapter long, but beginning in verse 5 through 8, it says this. Third John 5 through 8. Beloved, you who faithfully, whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers, who have borne witness of the love before the church, if you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you do well, because they went forth for his namesake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. That when we help, even help to support missions, even help to uh, support the work, we're fellow workers of the truth. And whether we're supporting someone in Africa or India, which our church has been doing uh, these last several years, or local uh, missions around here like Tri-County or Love, Inc., we're fellow workers of that ministry. Even though it's, it's, we're not perhaps actively there, but through our prayers, through our support, we're working together. So what have we looked at and learned today? Um, besides the history of Philippi, in the, the work itself, we see that Paul worked by encouraging and strengthening the churches that he had ministered to previously. And so Paul was all about returning to encourage and strengthen the church. And we should have that mindset of encouraging and strengthening one another. Secondly, we find that not only did they rehearse the churches that they had visited, but they went out and they preached the gospel, they planted churches, and they baptized new believers. So they weren't just about supporting the old work, but beginning new works too. We should have that desire to see the gospel of Jesus Christ go forth, that churches should be planted and that believers should be baptized. New believers, that is. Thirdly, we learn about God-fears. And in our world, I believe there are still many people who believe that God exists and may even worship them in their own way. But Paul refused to leave Lydia. Peter refused to leave Cornelius in that state because it was incomplete. They needed the whole gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, in order to find salvation. They preached Christ and him crucified. And that should be our same message today. The world is telling us not to. That it's wrong for us to do so, but I believe we must be about our Father's business. Fourthly, we see how God works in opening our hearts to heed the gospel message. That the Spirit works with us, in us, and upon us. That there's this three-phase ministry of the Holy Spirit working. And finally, as believers, even the new believer, Lydia, and next week it'll be the Philippian jailer, but they quickly turned around and began to serve the body of believers there. How can we help? How can we serve? And I'll close with this verse from Galatians 5.13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use that liberty as an opportunity for the flesh or for yourself, but through love serve one another. <laughs> That's supposed to be 
one of the cornerstones of the church is that we love one another and that we serve one another. There's a variety of ways, as I said, that you can do that. May I encourage you to do that? You know, there is joy in serving and there's nothing like serving our Lord. And if I can leave you with anything today, first of all, may I just encourage you, if you would classify yourself more as a God-fearer than a believer of Jesus Christ, perhaps the Lord is calling you to know Jesus today. If you fear God but have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then your belief is incomplete, and it must be completed through faith in Jesus Christ, who died for our sins according to the Scripture, who was buried and rose again according to the Scripture. I don't want to ever not leave with a salvation appeal. That is the first step for each of us. Without it, you are not a believer in Jesus. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, may I encourage you to have the heart of Lydia, to have the heart of the Philippian jailer, to have that heart of service. For in doing so, we share the love of Christ to the lost and dying world that's around us. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your work in our midst. And we pray that you'd bless this church and our fellowship together. In Jesus' name, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.